I'm Joy Orr. And I'm Kristen Kovach-Bentley, and we are the hosts of Retired Racehorse Radio. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, aftercare, and retraining of the retired racehorse. We'll bring you expert tips from top trainers and professional riders and share countless stories of retired racehorses excelling in their second careers that will make you laugh, melt your heart, and open your eyes to how versatile these horses are. We feature an adoptable horse each episode, so you may just find your next riding partner. Look up Retired Racehorse Radio and subscribe today. This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 444 of Horse Tip Daily, a different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. This tip is sponsored by FeedXL. Are you feeding your horse correctly? Find out at FeedXL.com. Enjoy today's tip. Well, it's Glenn the Geek back with you from Lexington, Kentucky, and you're listening to Horse Tip Daily. It's convenient that FeedXL is the sponsor for this uh, tip today. As we're continuing our series with the horse.com on laminitis, if you've missed the first two episodes, you can just go back to the last two episodes, which were 442 and 443, and take a listen to those. We're talking about uh, horse.com visits us regularly on Horses in the Morning every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern, and they have a topic they talk about. Well, April was Laminitis Month, and we're bringing you all the different uh, discussion on laminitis because it was very interesting and very informative and could end up saving your horse. So we're going to bring you the third installment of that very shortly here. But first, I want to talk to you about FeedXL. You know, one of the reasons that uh, horses get laminitis is they're eating way too much or way too much of the wrong stuff. Well, one of the things that you can do is very simple and very easy. You can go to FeedXL.com. It takes a couple minutes to put in some information about your horse or horses, put in some information about what you feed your horse or horses, and it spits out, it analyzes everything that you feed, including grass and hay and grain and supplements, and it spits out reports that tells you whether you're feeding too much of this or too little of that. It shows you where you have deficits in, in the way of vitamins or where you're feeding too much of certain vitamins and minerals and too much hay, too too much grass, too little hay, too little grass. It'll tell you all of that at FeedXL.com. So stop on over to FeedXL.com. Take the couple of minutes. It's worth it to put in the information about your horse and to find out if you're doing your horse correct, right by what you're feeding them. That's FeedXL. And now part three from the horse.com on Horses in the Morning. This was taken off of episode 123 for April the 20th, 2011. And here's Christy West with the horse.com and her guest talking about laminitis. Well, let's uh, (laughs) let's get to our weekly health report with the horse.com and and... Uh-oh. Let me try this. Boy, I'll tell you what, technology hates us today. It's time for the weekly health report from the horse.com. Fantastic information and Christy's attempt to ruin Glenn's lunch every week. Happy Lamanitis yeah. Month. <laughs> Good morning, Christy. 
Good morning, Glenn. How are you? <laughs> we're good. Thank you for warning us that we were still on the air and uh, looking after our our pride. <laughs> You're welcome. Glad to help out. I would want somebody to help me out that way if I were in your don't position. Cuss. So. What she meant was don't cuss, don't cuss, don't cuss, don't cuss. <laughs> Because, you know, if I were in that situation, I'm sure I would be cussing. <laughs> Son of a nutcracker. That's the first time that's ever happened. That we've, we've Jamie and I have both fallen off many times, and we've had to call back. But, but that's the first time our producer, who actually opens and runs the show, has disappeared. And we were really convinced that when that happened, the show would go off the air. It's nice to know it doesn't. So thank you, Christy, for helping us out there. And, and it would have been a shame if you hadn't heard the end of Patty, because she, that, how fun is that? She is awesome. <laughs> I know. Sitting there in her dress. That's that is that is now my derby pick just cuz I I enjoyed listening to her so much. Yay! Oh. Good job, man. She's so cool. <laughs> well, we're not talking about uh, you know, Mucho Macho Man lost a shoe at a piece of his hoof in the last race, <laughs> but we're not talking about losing who Well, we sort of are with Laminitis, aren't we? So, Could is be. this is this the last of the Laminitis uh month or are we do we have one more? We have one more. What was that? that was the worst? I thought I had a beautiful transition there. That was the worst segue I have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> uh, he lost a hoof, but he didn't really lose a hoof. But he lost part of a hoof, and then uh, it's laminitis, Glenn. Let her, let her just go. Let her go. <laughs> <laughs> we don't usually put laminitis and whips in the same sentence, but <laughs> I don't know. I suppose we could make it work. <laughs> but no, we actually have one more show on laminitis uh, next week. We're going to be talking with uh, Dr. Stephen O'Grady about shoeing, but. Today we're going to talk a little bit about metabolic issues because that seems to be a, a lot more more of a frequent cause of laminitis these days. You know how when you, you see those, I think horses are starting to reflect their owners a lot more. You know, you see those montages <laughs> online sometimes of people and their dogs and they all look alike. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, yeah. so people keep talking about the, you know the growing overweight problem in America among humans, and I think it's it's definitely showing that that's definitely showing true in horses as well. Um, a lot, meta, laminitis and metabolic issues go hand in hand a lot of the time, and we've got Dr. Nicholas Frank um, from the university, currently at the University of Tennessee, although he will shortly be moving to Tufts University next month as their head of clinical sciences. He's been doing a lot of work on metabolic disease and laminitis in horses, and I think probably one of the first things to do is, is recognizing when you have a horse with a metabolic disease that could result in laminitis or is resulting in some laminitis issues. And Dr. Frank, can you tell us a little bit about recognizing those horses? Yes, I can. Uh, good morning. Uh, the the problems that we face are are really divided into two categories: the younger horse that uh, becomes obese, and then uh, with that obesity is at a higher risk for insulin resistance, which is a bit like an early form of diabetes. And horses suffer from this problem, and that makes them unfortunately more likely to develop laminitis. And then the other category is the older horse, and the older horse um, will develop an, a hormonal disease called Cushing's disease, and this can also make the animal more likely to develop laminitis. For sure. And how do how do we recognize those horses? How do we do we test for it? Do we just look at them and tell? Yeah. Well, the first the first thing is to say that um, just simply recognizing when obesity is developing in the horse is really important. So. We have to say that obesity is is really a, a health concern in horses as it is in people, and and so the first uh, measure is really to examine your horse, uh, to do a body condition score, or at least just um, ask for some advice from your veterinarian and say, 
you know, is this horse at an appropriate body condition or is it getting too fat? Uh, and if it is getting too fat, then try to, to get that under control and get that under control uh, through exercise, through changes in diet and that sort of measure. And if you do that well in advance, if you uh, basically prevent obesity, then you're going to automatically lower the risk of that horse developing laminitis. In terms of testing, there are some tests that can be done, blood tests and some um, more challenge uh, tests that can be done by your veterinarian to look at that obese horse and say, not only is that horse obese, but it's actually now developing insulin resistance and therefore is at even higher risk of developing laminitis. When we talk about the old horse with Cushing's, again, there's some hallmark signs that we can see just by looking at the animal. The horse that uh, is slow to shed out its winter hair coat or is developing a thick, curly hair coat, those are abnormal signs. So those hair coat signs should make you then question your veterinarian and say, do you think my horse is potentially getting to that age, getting to that, that stage of life where we're beginning to see this Cushing's problem? And if the Cushing's problem is there, um, then again, we can do some blood testing and some challenge tested tests to be able to then say, yes, that animal has got Cushing's and therefore should be treated. Dr. Frank, I have a question for you. I'm not 100% sure of your history as far as, you know, going out and seeing clients, but uh, my experience as a technician, it is incredibly hard. It's like telling people their kids are fat, telling people their horses are fat. They get really offended and protective and a little bit angry. So is there a, a good way to go about telling somebody, hey, your horse is, you're going to kill your horse because you're feeding it too much and it's fat and you need to do some work on it. Right. I, I think you're absolutely correct on that. It's a difficult subject to tackle. And I think the, the first way to do that is really to uh, make the clients understand that we really care about the animal, that we care about the, uh, the health of this animal, and that leaving it in an obese state is going to raise the risk of it having laminitis and other complications as well. So, Perhaps we say, um, these are some animals I've treated in the past. Let me tell you about some of the problems I've seen before and really um, let the client know that we're not criticizing the way that they are uh, managing their horse. We're not trying to uh, be, be overly critical of their approach, but yet we are really concerned about the health of the animal and, and they can do something about it. And I think that that's the type of discussion that needs to go on in, a, in an annual wellness exam uh, with the veterinarian, with the nutritionist, with just a good friend uh, who knows a lot about this situation going over and saying, look, I'm not trying to be critical, but you've got to know that this obesity problem uh, is really a health concern for your animal. And it still comes out your horse is fat. <laughs> it does. It still comes out your horse is fat, but there's, there's a nice way of putting that. So uh, hopefully the, Doctor, the, the owner won't take offense at that. I want to have a disclaimer here, please that this does not apply to Frankie Lovato or myself because we are exempt from that and our ponies are exempt from that. Just wanted to disclaim that. Um, our horses uh, are not No, fat. you're not. Yeah. D uh, Glenn, uh, Dr. Frank has a way of talking to you after the show. He's going to sit you down <laughs> because that was really good, <laughs> Dr. Frank. Oh, my gosh, that was impressive. I feel like I need to starve my horses now because you <laughs> wasn't fat at all. <laughs> I think sometimes too you can almost you can almost blame the horse and say, Boy, you know, he's just he's an easy keeper. These kind of horses are hard to manage. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's a great 
I think that's a great point is that uh, we we occasionally talk about uh, metabolic obesity or the, or the fact that some people have different metabolic rates and that's really true uh, in the horse. Uh, we do, do see a tremendous difference for instance between uh, a, a Shetland pony and and a and a three-year-old racing thoroughbred that you were just talking about the Kentucky Derby and so on. The, the metabolism of these horses is very different, and I think that's where we can then uh, talk to the owners and say, we understand that you're really struggling with this. I've had an animal like this before, uh, and, and, and really talk to them about the fact that what will work for their particular pony may be completely different from what other people are feeding their horses if they're in the same barn, if they're at a boarding stable, and so on. So. No two horses are alike when it comes to their feeding requirements, and we really have to educate the public um, that there's a huge difference in metabolism between different individual animals. For sure. And one, now that we've talked about identifying these horses, let's talk about how to how to prevent. If you if you see some of these signs starting up, your horse is starting to gain a little bit of weight, starting to get a little cushy around the middle. What can you do to keep him from getting really obese? And we'll leave the Cushing's ones for a moment. Okay, so the first thing to look at is, is are you feeding any grain? Are you feeding anything uh, in terms of a concentrate, grain, pellets, and so on? An animal that's becoming obese does not require any additional calories from grain. So the first thing to cut out is the grain. There are a number of very good products now that are low sugar, low starch. I say to a client, if you want to give a horse a treat, give them a cup, a measured cup, something from the kitchen that they take out with a, a proper measuring cup and give them a cup of low starch, low sugar pellets as a treat. But the rest of the grain needs to be cut from the diet if the horse is becoming obese. The hay uh, is generally uh, a component of the diet that you can also manage. You may want to cut back down to an appropriate amount of grain, uh, appropriate amount of hay, which is about one and a half percent of body weight in hay. So that's that's something that uh, clients can do, owners can do. They can measure the weight of the hay and actually make sure they're not feeding too much. And then the single biggest factor in most cases is how many calories the horse or pony is consuming on pasture. And that is very, very difficult then to manage because the pasture is a huge X factor. We don't know how many calories the horse is getting and it varies from month to month, even week to week. So the pasture is very, very dynamic in how many calories it's giving to that animal. So what the uh, owner needs to do is really look hard at that pasture situation and ask the question, is the animal getting too many calories on pasture? If that's occurring, then they need to either restrict the amount of pasture that the animal's out on, so put them in a smaller area, take them off pasture for a while until they get the body weight under control, um, or use strategies such as a grazing muzzle, which allows the horse or pony to be out, but yet limits the amount of grass that that animal can consume over the period that it's out on pasture. And with, <clears throat> if your horse has already gotten good and fat, what, what else can you do to cut his weight down? Besides, I mean, if he's well, too sore, maybe he's a little tough to exercise. It, it can be. Um, exercise, of course, uh, is a great way to burn calories uh, and then restricting the calories, so putting the animal in a situation where it can't eat as many calories on pasture. There are some medical interventions that we can use, a veterinarian can prescribe. I think these should be reserved for the cases that don't respond 
to the measures that we've discussed. So don't respond to diet and exercise. And, you know, we've got to be careful, just as we are in uh, human medicine, that we don't try to create a diet pill that substitutes for good, solid uh, advice on diet and exercise. So, um, but having said that, there are some animals, particularly the ponies, particularly certain individual animals that are very, very metabolically efficient, that really are difficult to get the weight off, and then a veterinarian can be consulted, and there are some uh, medical approaches uh, in those particular cases. Okay, so what I'm hearing here, uh, Christy and Dr. Frank, is that at any given time, what you're saying, you can take out the word horse and insert the word human. Be, reduce calories, exercise more, eat healthier, eat smarter, limit your food intake. This is all stuff that we have all heard a million times from reading and learning about humans. That It, it just transposes right over to the horses. So it really... You know, if you're responsible, it really shouldn't be that hard to identify and know how to, you know, it's it's really common sense. Eat less, exercise more. There you go. Once again, I would like to disclaim that Frankie and I are not part of that. It does sound easy, but I think we have to realize that it is, it is actually much more challenging than it sounds, and there's a couple of reasons. One is that there is a tremendous dif difference in metabolism among horses. So you will run into individual horses and ponies that are, are just so efficient with their calories that it's really hard to restrict their diet so far to get them to lose weight. So really my strongest advice is don't let that animal become obese in the first place because once it becomes obese, it's very difficult to deal with that obesity. And then the second big difference is that Courses for their own welfare, for um, the way we like to manage them, we'd like to have them go out on pasture. Um, and I think the big difference is that if we have one of these animals that's so difficult to manage, then we're talking about taking them off pasture, which is something that we prefer not to do. So again, if we can prevent that obesity, then long term that animal can stay on pasture, that animal can remain free of laminitis, and it's just a better approach in general to prevent it rather than trying to deal with it once it's already established. Sure. A lot easier to drop five pounds than it is to drop 50. That's right. <laughs> Comparing to humans. Now, Dr. Frank, you're um, still involved with a study where you're looking for horses with metabolic syndrome to study, right, to learn more about this disease? Yes, we are. Um, I'm collaborating with the University of Minnesota uh, Veterinary School, and they are conducting a study to look at the genetics of this because we've really recognized that a certain breeds of horse seem to be more predisposed to obesity and laminitis, and this collection of factors, obesity and insulin resistance and laminitis, is referred to as equine metabolic syndrome. And it's got some similarities to metabolic syndrome in people. So this study is basically, first of all, identifying horses with equine metabolic syndrome and then asking owners to provide us with a blood sample or a hair sample so that we can begin the process of looking at the genetics. And this genetic study again, it's being conducted by researchers at the University of Minnesota. So I would encourage anyone who has a horse with equine metabolic syndrome or veterinarians that are working with these patients to look at the University of Minnesota website, which is www.cbm.umn.edu. Look at that website, look at the equine genetics part of that website and find out information 
on how to get involved in this study because ultimately if we can develop a genetic test then we'll be able to say that that very young horse even before it becomes obese is at higher risk and then perhaps be able to say to people uh, that we really need to manage that horse very differently to prevent it from ever having problems as it gets older. Prevention so much better than cure. Absolutely. So where, and have you have you got any findings from that research so far or is it still a pretty new study? It's still quite a new study. Um, we're gathering a large amount of data, and it looks very interesting at this point in time. And I think what we're also trying to do is try to work out if within this larger category of equine metabolic syndrome, if there are perhaps subgroups and perhaps those animals might need a different form of management. So this is a, a genetic study, but it's a study that we're just learning a tremendous amount about this syndrome because really the study of this syndrome is, is relatively new. And as you pointed out earlier on, we're seeing more and more cases as more horses are, are becoming obese with the way that horses are being kept nowadays with unfortunately people having less time to ride them and to exercise them, then we're really seeing this increase uh, over time. And so everything we learn about this is new at this point. I think it's a it's a fantastic field to study, and it it does parallel human medicine in so many ways. And Glenn, no, you are not exempt. I'm sorry. Yeah, seriously, dude. <laughs> it's, you know what? You know what, Christy? He's got one guy that he knows that wants to feed his pony too, and so now they've united. They've this united front, and they think that they're completely free of any repercussions. So, um, yeah, Glenn, you're not in it. Do not take the muzzle off of your horse. Jennifer, do not allow that. And I know that Frankie's wife is keeping close tabs on how much he feeds that pony too. So you're all in trouble. Christy, we started a club. We call it the Unnatural Horsemanship Club. It's run by horse husbands. Yes. We're starting a club. We're going to have T-shirts. Unnatural Horsemanship. Glenn, not not to criticize, but I think it, it, you 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 could perhaps be be worried about the the concept of killing them with kindness. So uh, yeah, uh, sometimes yeah. sometimes when you're when you're feeding them to make them feel better, uh, uh, to enjoy them uh, by giving them more grain and so on, you've got the potential for increasing the risk of laminitis. And I'm sure Christy has emphasized this before that laminitis is uh, one of the highest causes of euthanasia in horses because of uh, the crippling effects of this horrible disease. Booyah. There you go, Glenn. Think about Pretty that. And Jennifer, Jennifer just texted me, and she said that she has a combination lock on Baker's muzzle, so you are unable <laughs> to take it off. Awesome. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, uh, you, you've got that little diet saying that you hear sometimes, and you really hate it when you're on a diet, you know, that a minute on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. And, oh, yeah. you know, I think when it, when it comes to these horses that, that have metabolic issues, it's a minute on the lips and a lifetime on the feet. And just yeah, to pick up yeah. on the, uh, the the place on horses that we see fat accumulating uh, is very much in the neck region. Uh, so we talk about a crusty neck uh, in horses that suffer from equine metabolic syndrome. And definitely we see different fat deposits in people than we do in horses. In people it is uh, around the abdomen or uh, around the hips. But in horses, the, the telltale sign is, is an increase in fat in the neck. So uh, hopefully owners will recognize that that's an abnormal finding and, and be alerted to the fact that that may indicate that the animal is beginning to suffer from insulin resistance and, and its risk of laminitis is going up. 
Well, that's, you're exactly right, and I thank God humans don't get fat necks because <laughs> that would look a little weird. Um, so where can people find out more and they can get a hold of you? I know uh, thehorse.com forward slash laminitis, and, and, and Dr. Frank, give your website one more time. The, the website at the University of Minnesota is www.cbm.umn.edu. We also have information on the University of Tennessee website, and very soon we'll have some information on the Tufts University website. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I, I think that what you're doing is incredibly important, and uh, you know the education is going to be the key as far as saving a lot of these uh, horses that are obese or predisposed to obesity. Uh, so education of the owners is of the utmost important, and I really appreciate you guys getting the word out there and trying to save some horses. Well, Thank you. I enjoyed the experience. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, if you'd like to hear the rest of that episode of Horses in the Morning, it's episode 118 for April 13th, 2011, and you can find the recorded version over at horsesinthemorning.com. Well, we are done here for today. We'll be back with the final part in this Laminitis series tomorrow. And, of course, you can find all of the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Don't forget, we have eight shows that we do here every single week, and we appreciate you joining us for Horse Tip Daily, and we hope that you keep on listening and tell all your friends about it. We'll be back again tomorrow with the final part here on Horse Tip Daily. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 